There is a ruthless genocide going on all around us. Many people applaud it, some are perpetrators of it, and it is the systematic murder of childhood, of which the recent withdrawal of the Dr. Seuss books is merely the tip of the iceberg. Under the sanitised rainbow shelter of a woke umbrella, publishers, so-called educators, virtue signalling academics and broadcasters have been systematically atrophying children's books and programmes and educational materials to the point where they have all the potency and dynamism of cotton wool. It's been going on for years and is now accelerating. Warning bells sounded a long time ago when it was decided, for example, that Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland was too difficult for children to read and the vocabulary was too much for their tiny minds. Forget that it had been a classic for well over a hundred years. Were children becoming more stupid? Possibly, but then whose fault was that? Shrinking vocabularies in the young? Yes, but unsurprising when you start policing the language to the point where it loses its strength and potency. You don't dispense with ignorance by creating more ignorance, unless you want future generations to be stupid. Now there's a thought. Instead of nurturing vigorous, curious, healthy young people, we are creating weak ideological clones. The woke robots sanitize the written word and narratives to the point where they are propagandist drivel for a view of the world that long, long ago lost touch with human beings and with the domain of childhood. Now, children delight in puns, rude jokes, the whole tomfoolery world of language as play and exploration. And in good stories and drama, they may bump into the complexities of identity, the strange promptings of the imagination and its joys and its dark shadows, the complications of race and gender and the sheer magical difficulty of carving a path through life. They can vicariously experience loss and belonging, winning and losing, triumph and failure, rejection and acceptance, and the fact that there often aren't easy answers in life. But if you narrow that path to a doctrinaire alley of political correctness, the only destination they will reach is a cul-de-sac. Now I've written a lot of uh, children's TV drama, theatre and fiction for young children through to teenagers. TV series uh, like Harry's Mad and The Queen's Nose my mental list of do's and don'ts included don't talk down to them, don't simplify the language, make it a challenge, don't avoid the big subjects like betrayal, regret, love and hate, sex, death, a sense of the ludicrous, madness, anarchy, forgiveness, hope, despair, but explore them through character and situation. And for God's sake, don't tell them what to think. And write something too that adults would enjoy as well. And the list goes on. These were successful series and would not get made today. They, they had as TV series big budgets because it was felt that it was worth having high production values for children. Big stories told with imagination and flair. Those days have gone. And this is not mere nostalgia, though there's nothing wrong with nostalgia, but a lament for intelligent reading and entertainment that take children out of sanitised ghettos and into places where they can travel and expand imaginatively. Children now 
largely live in a world of cartoons, interactive game screens and anodyne dramas. The world available to them through fiction and drama is shrinking. Even the bottom-clenchingly arid Pepper the Pig is criticised for, and I quote, promoting problematic concepts of gender and un unhealthy habits like eating chocolate and sometimes being rude and disrespectful. Now, Miss Piggy from the Muppets is being targeted too for, and I quote, bullying Kermit and karate chopping other characters. Now, the producer of The Queen's Nose, which ran for many series, said to me some years ago, we'd never get it made today. Political correctness and wokeness has grabbed hold of the culture and eviscerated it. And the hunt for anything to do with race and gender and sex that can be outlawed is relentless. A whole culture, including children's culture, is criminalised at the whim of insane social justice warriors. Now, I wrote a series, a TV series called The Boot Street Band and a book, and it was about a class of children who took over the running of a school because the head teacher had gone mad. He was a parody of King Lear. The deputy head was a tyrant, but an interesting challenge to try and fool for the children. And one of the teachers, Mr. Prince, had turned into a, a giant Alsatian dog in a desperate attempt to regain authority. Now, the world depicted in this school was crazy but recognisable in the turn and drive of character. And the children ran the school as a business, recycling national curriculum paper into toilet rolls, which they sold to local shops and supermarkets. The kids were clever business people. They were adept at lying and manipulating when they needed to be, ruthless when they needed to be. They were also, to judge by the letters I received, entertaining. And it was also, as one critic said, genuinely funny. It would never get made today. And when we auditioned, the idea, now apparently outlawed, was to give the big parts to the best kids. And these finally included an Asian boy and a black girl because they were two of the best. We didn't box tick in advance. We didn't have a diversity agenda. Diversity and inclusiveness were delivered organically by giving everyone who auditioned an equal opportunity to impress. Equality of outcome would have made a nonsense of this. I wrote a, a Christmas musical theatre show called Matilda and Duffy's Stupendous Space Adventure. I wanted to write something that both children and adults could enjoy. It was full of the kind of larger-than-life characters and wordplay that The Goon Show used to delight in. It was silly, rude, it, had, it was full of double entendre, but it was joyful and audiences liked it. It was, as one mother of two children said to me, an absolute blast of energy and invention for the kids. It, it would not be put on today without being heavily edited because it might offend all manner of people. But offending people in the context of a magical musical romp is precisely the point, just as in society we should have the right to offend others. And think of Alice in Wonderland, full of characters being offensive to each other. Think of much of Roald Dahl. But in their hysteria, social justice warriors and obsessive grievance hunters often conflate stereotypes and types. Because they are slaves to knee-jerk reactions, they extend this whole business, this whole rejection to the whole idea of types, which is a mistake. Types are often the bedrock of character. 
Jung understood the ancient and primal resonance of types in archetypal psychology and their value in creating narratives for our own lives. Am I a victim, a hunter, a joker, a warrior? If we dissolve these into an androgynous human goo, none of us will get out alive. The streets and the playground used to be where much learning went on, how to be a team player or not, how to make and lose friends, how to join groups, how to cope with bullies, how to play games, and in so doing, learn the tough lessons of how to win, and just as important, how to cope with losing, how to offend others, how to cope with insults and being offended, learn who to trust and who to reject, learn dangerous and naughty words, learn about hierarchies and where you fit into them and how to move up or down in them. Over-policing these areas deprives children of autonomy and crucial lessons in social development. Not just as not getting dirty weakens the immune system, playing in the streets, the playgrounds and the parks, getting your hands and knees scuffed and dirty occasionally. Lots of time outside toughens up the body. Similarly, letting children explore the world of thought and imagination with as much freedom as possible will enhance their inner lives and then their social selves. Telling them what to think too early, whether it's about race or gender or God or anything, in fact, reduces this to automatons. It would be like saying, everyone in this class has to support Manchester United, otherwise you're a bigot and a racist and a bad person and you'll be expelled. I'm serious, it's as daft as that. You must support Manchester United. And by the way, you're neither a boy nor a girl because those are meaningless, redundant terms. On the one hand, you've got crushing authoritarian directives, and then on the other, you've got confused and sloppy babble. This can only lead to confusion, rigidity of mind, and fear of thinking for oneself, a generation of lost souls. What we are doing is murdering critical thinking in children. Now you can teach philosophy to four-year-olds because they are full of questions. They're already natural philosophers. And it's in the asking of questions that directly leads to critical thinking and the acquisition of knowledge and becoming a useful citizen. By imposing preconceived and highly suspect values on children through the means of critical theory, race theory, that concerns itself almost exclusively with gender and race. And by teaching opinion rather than knowledge and facts, beliefs rather than methods of inquiry, we truncate critical thought and we imprison language. Society beyond the, the, the family and friendship groups is a conspiracy of strangers who discover each other and in order to find patterns of agreement and difference. Now we are inculcating the idea that every stranger must be seen as a possible threat. Every adult is a potential paedophile, an enemy. Don't talk to strangers. Well, okay, but it's by talking to strangers that they cease to be strangers and might even become friends. By overprotecting children, we stifle their common sense, their ability to discern between safety and danger, their judgment about who to trust. We deprive them of that internal compass that can guide you through life. There are bad people. There always have been and there always will be. And sometimes you just can't protect against them. But those are the exceptions. 
And this process of fearing others and ultimately ourselves has been accelerated during COVID lockdown to the point where many adults have swallowed it wholesale. And this is the example we are providing for children. It goes way beyond being careful and teaches fear, suspicion and mistrust whilst simultaneously pro proclaiming a contradictory enforced inclusiveness. So a major reason why we fail children is that we have become children ourselves. In a healthy relationship, there is balance and appropriate behaviour. Children need meaningful relationships with other children, adults and parents. If any of these get thwarted, they're in trouble. Now, during COVID, we have allowed the government to behave like an authoritarian parent and treat us like children to be instructed, directed and punished. This is a dysfunctional relationship which infantilizes us and makes a mockery of society. We have become impoverished children, meekly asking for more and getting nothing. The relationship between government and its people should be an adult one in which it's recognised that the government is there on borrowed time and power to serve the needs and well-being of the people who put them there in consultation with those people. They are not our masters, but we've allowed it to become a perverse relationship in, we are, in which we are naughty, dependent children. So how can we possibly function properly with our own children? We can't. We've relinquished that necessary power and we are like a tribe of Lord of the Flies children, lost, bewildered and cruel to ourselves.